Thundergrunt Podcast Network. Hey there, Curiosos. So do you remember last year when we had a live Curioso show? Uh, I do. I do too. And we're going to have another one again. Nice. Now this show is going to happen March 20th. The doors are at 9, the show starts at 9.30, and this is going to be at the Black Cat in D.C. Mm-hmm. $12 for advanced tickets, and you can get those at theblackcatdc.com, $15 at the door. So the topic for this live show is going to be... Tiki and Tiki Culture. So we're going to have a bunch of fun costumes, a bunch of great performers in the theme of the Hawaiian Tiki Culture. We're importing some palm trees. <laughs> That's right. Or maybe not. Maybe. We're bringing our surfboards. I, okay. Or maybe not. Maybe my paddleboard. I will probably drink a Mai Tai. <laughs> I will. I'm going to drink some zombies. Okay, sounds great. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have some tiki and Hawaiian music. Mm-hmm. And if you come out to the show, you're probably going to get late. So that's March 20th. At the Black Cat in D.C. Brought to you by DeVille, Inc. and Free State Guitars. Curioso is someone who inquires in esoteric matters, a collector of knowledge. Curioso Podcast. All right, so we are here at uh, in Hamden, and we are at Bazaar. That's right. So uh, not only do we have me, Christopher Scarborough, and me, Joe Taylor, Taylor over there, we also have a few more guests. Uh, why don't you introduce yourselves? I'm uh, Greg Hatem. I'm one of the co-owners of Bazaar here in Hamden. Uh, we're just like an oddity store. We specialize in all kinds of weird stuff, including taxidermy. And um, thanks for coming. It's no problem. Yeah. And you know what, uh, Greg, we actually met, uh, it was like right before your one-year anniversary yeah. of, mm-hmm. of the place opening, mm-hmm. and you had me perform at it, and this place is amazing. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I tell everybody, you know, it, you know, it's really funny, like kind of growing up around uh, Baltimore, um, like... There wasn't, you know, you had like downtown, you know, you could go down to like Fells Point and you had like sticky fingers and stuff like that. But I was like, eh, that was always kind of lame to me. You know what I mean? But now like Hamden has really opened up and like your shop is totally a part of how awesome oh, this I appreciate is. you saying that. You know? And thank you again so much for performing at our anniversary show. It was amazing. It, it, it was a we blast. We were super honored to have you and um, yeah, just super honored to be here. Absolutely. And we have another guest as well. Yeah. And I'm Robert Marbury. I'm uh, the author of Taxidermy Art. Um, a, a rogue's guide to the work, the culture, and how to do it yourself. I'm also um, co-founder of the Minnesota Association of Rogue Taxidermists, which is the first and largest international organization focused on rogue taxidermy, although wow. I do live in Baltimore. And I, I was going to say that when I first started hearing about rogue taxidermy, they, they were the first group that I had ever seen. So, like, I kind of just Googled it. Yeah. You know, I put it in, and there it was, the Minnesota, you know, rogue taxidermy. Well, it helps we came up the, with the term. Yeah. So that well, sort of, that right. sort of helps bring you to the, yeah, to the doorstep. That's a relatively um, new term, isn't it? It's like, yeah, what, 2002, 2003 is when it was first? Uh, 2004 is when, okay. we, when we, we were at a, a – I, I invited my two partners over, and they had sort of hashed out this term – and so I had nothing to do with the awesome name. Um, they kind of came up with it, but um, it, it was it was uh, it's been it's been really peculiar watching it grow mm-hmm. uh, and change. And you know, the internet's 
the way it is, you can't control it. Right. Yeah. Um, so there have been some challenges to that as well, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons I kind of want to do the book is, right. is yeah. to bring people back around. I also want to mention, uh, I now we have just met as of today, mm-hmm. and within the walk uh, where we met you guys on the street and here, uh, I found out that you were in... A, uh, a John Waters movie. Right. So, yeah. uh, oh, nice. you know, you're just going to have to search all of them. No, <laughs> yeah. it was Crybaby, right? It was right? Crybaby. Yeah, I mean, it's a good, you so, know, it's nice when you, I grew up, I grew up here and, and, you know, that I did, did a, really, I stood in line, honestly, for three hours in front of a, a club that's now gone in Station North and, and had to go in and, and do this really offbeat, um, uh, sort of R&B soul Dancing, uh, it was, and, and it was in a punk club, and so all the punks were sitting around. Their jackets kind of like looking at us, and most people were like musical theater guys, and they were with their partners, and they were swing dancing. And I, I was like an overcoat and like boots and dancing by myself. It was very peculiar. It was, it was, it was awesome. Um, well, and you also did all the taxidermy work in Crybaby, right? Yeah. Well, the, the, the benefit with that is there's, there's um, most of that was cut. Most okay, of the taxidermy okay. stuff was cut. But I did have a very traumatic. The, the kissing scene was pretty. There was my my like, third girl. I'd had a kiss and. And my girlfriend at the time rolls up on the one day that we're gonna have this big makeout session. It was rather, uh, but I got then years later I got to play myself on Sex in the City, and Ricky Lake was walking by with her kids, and they were like, "Come on in," and uh, you know, Rob, hey, what's up? And then they then she walked <laughs> through the set, which was a fake uh, farmers market, uh, just loading her 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 um, um the cart, cr- yeah, her pram up with. Um, stuff in the fake farmer's market mm-hmm. and then going, okay, see ya. It just basically took all the stuff. It was so great. Cause everyone else's extras where they'd be like, how much is this apple? And then they put it back and do it again. And she just loaded up her cart was like, bye. <laughs> like, awesome. She's awesome. So uh, basically that's what we're talking about today is, uh, is John Walton. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, we're, we're talking about Ricky taxidermy Lake. and Ricky Lake. No, we're talking about taxidermy today. Uh, that's that's right. why we have our awesome guests. I also want to mention that Dana's here. Dana, just yell hi. Hi. And she's going to be uh, shooting some video because we are like literally in the showcase in mm-hmm. Bazaar. So yeah. you're going to see some awesome stuff behind us as we talk. And uh, that's going to be great. Yeah, so, it's going to be a good video. All right. Taxidermy, the term, is the art of preserving, stuffing, mounting the skins of animals and creatures, right? Mm-hmm. And then... Um, no argument here. Okay. Uh, the Greek... Uh, word taxes to arrange and then derma for skin right so yeah taxidermy. so so the easy way that i find to talk about it is it really is only preserving the skin right, right. Mm-hmm. right. so anything that is preserved outside of a skin on a form mm-hmm. technically isn't taxidermy mm-hmm. now for while rogue taxidermy came about with a sort of more open definition and it often encompasses wet preservation, mm-hmm. um, uh, bone work, um, mummification. Uh, and one of the most popular ways that people uh, preserve pets is freeze drying. Mm-hmm. And so, do you have any freeze dried stuff? Oh, yeah. We do. It, what it ends up being is it looks like um, uh, taxidermy, except for they've just taken, usually they take the organs out, and then the entire thing is is dried for an extended period of time, mummified. So is it, is it like desiccation? It is It is straight up desiccation. Okay. So there's two ways to desiccate, heat and cold. Right. And so what you do for preserving um, 
like this guy, you can see. Oh, All right, yeah. so what is this guy? So that's a little baby beaver. A little t- and yeah, so a lot of times when head. they're really, really small, or pets, they, they mm-hmm. don't feel that uh, you can preserve. Yeah, good, that's great. You can't really preserve, like cutting the skin off and mounting it. It's, it's much more challenging. Right, um, right. And so what they'll do is uh, you would put it in a series mm. of, of coolers to, to cool it down, mm. um, I mean, to desiccate it. Right. And in, like mummification, but you're controlling it so that you end up for pet preservation, for example, you'd end up with, say, you know, your cat sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, the as challenge, a more, a, a more natural, uh, like living, yeah, you know, arrangement yeah. rather than uh, by the side of the road. Right, right. I mean, <laughs> you know? it, so there's you basically take a dead animal and you position it and you freeze mm-hmm. it that way. And but the challenge is, is that it's still got bits in here and it's still got flesh and more things for bugs to eat. Yeah, right. so it, it actually has. So with freeze drying, you you they do take out the organs. Is that correct? Usually, yeah. But mm-hmm. so, but they actually leave the muscle mass, the bones, stuff like that. Right. They just take the out structure. the. Okay, so so that's what we kind of wanted to. That's what I kind of wanted to start off with. So basically, like there are certain ways that you can still preserve something, uh, but they are not taxidermy. So that's what plastinization, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. the whole body worlds thing. Yeah. Uh, I went to go see that when it was up here at the Science Center a yeah. few yeah. years ago, mm-hmm. and that was really cool. Did you see the animal one or the human one? I saw the human one. Because the animal one, I think, is coming through again, because oh, I, really? I got to see it in London when I was there. It's awesome. I mean, you've got really? a full-size elephant sliced wow. down the center, and, and you know a giraffe neck sliced down you know, to the full length. And so there's, um, um, that, that's pretty cool. I also thought that was a more interesting for me, more interesting piece, mm-hmm. uh, show that is. And, and plastinations, you know, also, it's a proprietary um, technology, but basically that one, you're, you're taking <clears throat> any of the, the uh, water in the cell, on the cellular level, and you're extracting it mm-hmm. um, through heat and cold and other chemicals. And right. then as it's being extracted, in goes the plastic. So you're actually making a plastic on a cellular level. Hmm. Thing. Okay, and but that's, okay, that's pushing it into the cell. Isn't that yeah. really based on like 16, 17th century when they would do like the wax injection? Kind yeah, of thing? absolutely. Like, yeah. Okay, because that's what it's it's I've seen that kind of stuff before in old like history books and stuff. I'm like, this is kind of like plastinization. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I guess the difference would be that the wax is not going to hold up like the, you know. The plastic. Yeah, it's not going to hold up like plastic, obviously. So, right. so all this, all this stuff we're talking about in terms of preserving, all of it's limited. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk in photography, you talk about archival, hundred years, or printing archival, mm-hmm. um, uh, and and so that's one of the challenges with tax remain. As you look around, some the older the thing is, the more value it has if it's survived. Right. right <laughs> you know, right. and yeah. and because it's going up against bugs, it's going up against heat, it's Air. going up against fire, it's yeah. going up against all these things. So it is a, a, a temporary fix. Yeah, so you, you can't actually preserve something forever. Closest you're going to get probably is, like is closest to the wet, but yeah. that still needs to be changed out. And so yeah. that's, okay, so let's get into that a little bit. The wet preservation, that's, mm-hmm. like we said, that's another thing, not taxidermy. Right. We are going to get to taxidermy, I swear. <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, let's, you know, let's talk about all the periphery, you know? Yeah, yeah. It makes more sense to me, and then we'll get into the kind of, you know the bones and skin of taxidermy. So, um, so with wet preservation, what are what are you using? Are we using formaldehyde? Are we using uh, alcohol? Because yeah. I've seen some people talk about both. Sure, mm-hmm. it kind of depends on the size of the specimen and the purpose. If you're um, 
really if it's a larger uh, specimen or if you're trying to preserve it for uh, to do a better job at it you definitely want to get some formalin which is like liquid formaldehyde okay that um you make multiple injections into the specimen and let it fix um it is carcinogenic it is dangerous mm. um it's not you i wouldn't recommend that just anyone just order some on the internet and have a field just day just go at it it's with right. their uh, with their pet that just passed away i mean it's great in yeah. cocktails don't get me wrong right but, uh, <laughs> one of those kitty pools out in your right, yard right, and fill yeah, it up exactly. and just splash around well yeah. i mean to, to your point what happened with damien hurst's piece the one of the most famous pieces of bio art is damien hurst's shark mm-hmm. which has a much longer name um and and the first shark fell apart because it wasn't preserved properly mm-hmm. and when an american purchased the the shark actually purchased the container and the skin he said I'll make you a new one. If you get me, give me some money, I'll get, get another shark. And mm. that time they went in, and they went in with re- regular injections along the body of formalin, which then has to be washed out, and then they use a, you, know, you can use um, alcohol after that. And, and it uh, really is more sci- what you use in scientific collections. Mm-hmm. Scientific collections don't care about taxidermy because taxidermy right. represents the person that did it at the time they were doing it. And it's also, it, it's like an artist painting, uh, you know, a vase. A rendition. Right. Everybody's going to have a different version because it's your eyes, your hands right. doing mm-hmm. Observation and, and, and sculpture. Right. And so bones and, and wet specimens tend to be the things, and obviously fossils, but those tend mm-hmm. to be the things that uh, museums and collectors want to keep. Now, what happens with taxidermy, why I think it's so interesting, is that variance mm-hmm. and is that ability for it to tell stories that created conservation. Right. We wouldn't have mm-hmm. any conservation, really, without a lot of the push for dioramas and natural history museums mm-hmm. and yeah. kids going in and all of a sudden relating to a zebra that maybe they didn't see it in the zoo or maybe they had seen it in the zoo. But it right. was the original animal planet. I mean, it was original Shark Week. Right. Well, you, know, yeah. you could yeah. see these things in their little environments. Yeah, when museums were in their heyday and that was the place to go when you went to a big city, you know, all these you know scientists and people were proponents for getting real specimens as natural as possible mm-hmm. so people could actually see them and then care about, you know, nature, yeah. not just industrialization and all the, sure. the stuff. So before we move on from wet specimens, real quick, I just had one more thing that I wanted to talk about. And uh, Greg, when we first uh, had met, we had Mm -hmm. talked about the the specimens where the bones are colored. The diaphanizing, yeah. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. now I had gone to the, we had gone to the Motor Museum. Yeah. And uh, we weren't allowed to take any pictures, which (laughs) was terrible because we're there and we're the curioso. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Dana did. did. She got like a picture and then got kicked out. Of like a security guard doing this. (laughs) So that that was really funny. But... The one thing out of the all the amazing giant colons and everything that they right. have there, the one thing that I that impressed me was the, was the dionization uh, specimen that they had. Jeez. And I see that you guys have a, a lot more than you did originally when yeah, we first saw. Yeah, it's a process. It's pretty difficult. Um, uh, Brian, the uh, co-owner of Bazaar, he's been working um, on it uh, for the past uh, six months or so. Mm-hmm. He's gotten pretty good at it. It's a difficult they, process. They look very nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's a difficult process. You have to first skin the animal. Um, then there's a series of dyes that you apply to it, and then um, also different enzymes that clear away all the flesh. Mm-hmm. But eventually, afterwards, the dye um, it sticks to the calcium in the bones, and you get to see the entire skeletal system uh, just dyed. And that's all you see, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. So yeah, it's basically awesome. it's just there, and it's yeah. it's already articulated that way. And um, 
it only works on smaller mammals um, mm-hmm. for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. But again, smaller mammals are, are more, the bones are, it's more difficult to, uh, to articulate them. Um, you know, it's a delicate process. Yeah, they're yeah. very tiny. And, and just, um, just, uh, I, I know probably maybe five or six years ago, I maybe didn't know what articulation is, but mm-hmm. that's basically when you take, uh, the bones and then you put them back together in the form of the skeleton that it would exactly. originally be mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the being. Right. Yeah. Right. The articulated skeletons, you can see how it would actually exist mm-hmm. had there been, you know, had it still be on, been alive. But with the yeah. diaphanized, aren't you, isn't it at some point sort of where it's prepared, it never kind of comes apart? Well, yeah, exactly. So the um, so the enzymes that clear away the flesh, um, it's still, it doesn't clear it entirely. There's yeah. still, um, yeah, it's still held together by, um, by a tissue that's basically clear mm-hmm. um so it's uh still like articulated ligaments kind way. of stay and that's yeah. sort of i mean a lot of times they do fall apart because yeah. um you kind of have to get the balance just right um it's a difficult process and it's a lot of trial and error mm-hmm. um so as a result we have a few uh vials of little parts that <laughs> things that just <laughs> fell, <laughs> fell apart but um that's all right well hey you can sell those too yeah, yeah. right i mean yeah. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of this i mean all this preservation stuff I mean, comes from our cabinets of curiosities mm-hmm. in, in the past where people were trying to figure out how do you preserve natural history? I mean, right. You know, just trying to figure mm-hmm. it out. And some, some people had proprietary cocktails that they could use for these mm-hmm. things. And, and, and taxonomy also came out of that sort of like, how do we do it? Originally, it was, it might have been a, a, a wooden uh, frame with an armature. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The armature would be built out of wood and it was sort of clunky. And mm-hmm. you'll see some pieces at museums where you're like, that doesn't look right. You know, right. and there's something called botched taxidermy, which is this concept of something that doesn't look correct. And it's and normally when something's bad or doesn't look correct, mm-hmm. its value goes down. Mm-hmm. But there's something wow. in the internet does it almost flips it. So botched ends up gaining in, in value. So for example, this little weasel over here, it's uh-huh. kind of like a little bit wonky, Ooh, but, right. th- but then, <laughs> then as, as a, as a collector, I go, Oh, that guy, I kind of relate to him. Right. Or, you know, I have a beaver the, to show you. Yeah. The there. beaver around the corner yeah. with, with the wig on, same kind of thing where the, uh. this, the sort of botched wonky Ooh. thing then becomes something that people are, are drawn to as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So there's these tricks, you know, we're, um, you know, taxidermy has gone. Where, where well, it's also, it's a changed. testament maybe to the fact that now we're all very familiar with what a beaver is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't have well, to... Well, you can see it on TV. Yeah, you can, you can see, see it on a picture. Internet. You can... Right. right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. now it's sort of like what's more interesting might be this weird beaver that has like a derpy face and a wig on, you know? <laughs> right. So, right. Uh, exactly. You know, there's that well, it's, it's like one-offs and toys, you know? Mm-hmm. The old toy companies. Yeah, like, totally. They would do just one and it would come out kind of like, meh, and they yeah. would have... Ten thousand of them made, and he's like, "All right, we'll put them out." Oh but yeah, the one those little, the one tiny snake brains. eyes that miss, is missing a finger or right, something, right. Wh- whatever you know? it happens to be. Yeah, yeah that's the and rare. And the collectors want those. Yeah, even yeah. though they're messed up toys, you know, yeah. it's the same thing. So, uh, as before, we move on to actual taxidermy. Are there any of the other ones? Do we want to talk soap mummification? Any anything like that? Regular, because we kind of talked about what mummification is when we talked about freeze drying. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So, do we? You feel like we've covered well, all that? Well, just, yeah. just real quick, you know, for mummification, I mean, what was the purpose for? You had, you know, you had uh, tomb mummification where things mm-hmm. were wrapped and, and kept uh, in, in, in the tombs for the afterlife. Right. Yeah. They weren't meant for religious. display. Right. And they weren't meant for display, and, and a lot of that sort of preservation wasn't done for that, which mm-hmm. is why freeze-drying becomes sort of the go-to for pet taxidermy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you wouldn't do dry because it... it, it 
it desiccates. It, desiccates. Yeah. it makes it I, look like several years ago I was cleaning out his old house and I found this little bird. Yeah. And he'd been baking in the sun for who knows how long and I pulled up some piece of junk or something in the yard and it's basically perfectly preserved like this, like trying yeah. like he's trying to take off, but he's been completely desiccated. Yeah. All the bones are still attached, but there's just little bits of, of tissue still on. Yeah. It's like this little desiccated mummy bird. Yeah. You know, and it's, have, it's awesome. We have a mummified cat right now and also a mummified squirrel that are natural mummification. Mm-hmm. So yeah, very similar. It's um especially with the cats, they like to um, when they know that they're going to die or their the life's about to end, they yeah. like to be alone. And mm-hmm. sometimes if they're in a, a house or in a structure, that might mean like trying to get in between the walls. Right. And Which in that dry, case, right? it's yeah. dry enough that it makes, you know, cat jerky. Yeah, it's like yeah. A, the rat jerky that I have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, I can't believe you ever opened that up once you finally yeah. got it in there. Uh, so uh, Same house. Uh, <laughs> they had a chicken coop. This is out in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and chicken wire in between the walls. Mm-hmm. And, of course, rats, chickens. And a rat was in the wall, died, been in there for who knows how long. Right. Completely flattened over time. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like this rat jerky stick you know yeah apocalypse comes you wet that thing that's right that's right <laughs> put some right barbecue sauce yeah. on it yeah, but real quick you also use the term soap mummification and so mm-hmm. in a lot of oddity collections there's uh, soap mummies is popular and you mm-hmm. know um uh, you mentioned the mooters and ned has a soap mummy and that that is is actually when uh, as the um the organic matter decays off mm-hmm. the soap replaces it so there's usually at the end of that you're left with just soap Right. There's actually nothing else in there. Mm-hmm. Right. And there is another really cool type of uh, preservation called, um, uh, which is uh, erosion molding, where you take an, an animal and um, you make a, uh, so without skinning it, without doing any of that, you mm. do a mold on the, on the entire body of silicone. Huh. Um, you cut it open and let it rot out. So you, you rot the hole and sli- the slippage, all of that comes out. Um, and what you're left with is just the, fur in the silicone oh, and wow. you close that back up again fill it with an acrylic mm-hmm. and the acrylic grabs onto the fur stronger than the silicone does mm-hmm. and so when you pull off the mold you end up having basically basically fur on a sculpture oh wow um, and so okay. the skin then the face the nose all will be um fabricated or painted mm-hmm. um, and that's a pretty cool technique that's also a very old technique that a particular artist in um uh the uk uses Nice, that's nice. Cool. Yeah, that yeah I, cool. I never even did not even come across that in my research. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. So, well, okay, let's get into taxidermy. What? It, what? Uh, well, we had already kind of come across the the name. Give us so, okay. Uh, we'll do uh, a mouse. Take us through the steps. Um, yeah. So I guess in like a smaller mammal, like a mouse, you would uh, skin it first. Um, then there's this long process of fleshing. Where basically you're cutting the fat away inside the skin to, because um, you wouldn't have it tanned necessarily because it's not large enough for that. But it's, it's um, like like skinning any kind of animal if you want to keep the hide. Right. For exactly. Whatever. But let, let's just bring it back a little further, real quick. So when you get a, a mouse or a duckling or something like that, where mm-hmm. where are you getting it from? Like a supply, like a like a medical supply um, or a feeder? There are feeders. There are um, uh, bio supply companies um, that. I mean, you can source them from a lot of different places. Um, 
Uh, we, I mean, we're in Hamden. Yeah. There's rats Kinda dying go outside. in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, winter time. Um, so your overhead's real low. It's really low, <laughs> as long as you're willing to uh, scoop something up. Yeah, no gloves. We have done that. There's, I mean, there are lots of rats around. Oh, yeah. yeah. And um, in the winter time, they'll just die off, and um, they're basically frozen already and for there. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, okay. right. Um, I wouldn't recommend it all the time. <laughs> and I often you have to be very careful because there are, you know, diseases. Um, diseases well, obviously you want to use gloves and things like that. Yeah. You're, you're not you're not yeah. just going in there, you know what I mean? Cutting it up yeah. with your teeth. Right, right. You know? what, yeah. what, what if, when you think about uh, taxidermy, and I see over the cor- my shoulder the word gruesome. When you think about taxidermy, <laughs> one of the, the fascinating things, it's basically like a uh, chef. Yeah. Um, but you're, pres- you're preserving the other part of it. Right. So what you're trying to do is take the skin off the, the animal in a way that you make as few holes as you can, mm-hmm. right? And f- as few few um, uh, bad marks as you can so that when you sew it back together, mm-hmm. it's a full piece. It's mm-hmm. a puzzle. But uh, if you're using roadkill, then you have a second step, which is trauma. So now some people, if they're collecting roadkill, um, they might collect it and say um, uh, it's been run over and now there's a big... Um, bald spot where it got uh, rubbed on the ground, mm-hmm. then that that has to be fixed, and you have to figure out a way to fix that. It becomes uh, a creative limitation, totally, and it's right. a lot of what the rogue taxidermy movement kind of, where that kind of comes in because it's like, you know, I could I could try and gloss this over, I could try and patch it, or I could try and like paint over it, or, or I, I could, could uh, you know, maybe rat. there's gonna be uh, you know flowers blooming in this particular spot, yeah, or, right. or what have you. Yeah, yeah. Um, now ethics are uh, ethics are really sh- uh, shaky. They're very. We all have um, sets of ethics, and mm-hmm. it used to be, you know, you went to this one church, and the one church kind of told you what your ethics were, mm-hmm. and you went, "Those are my ethics." And now we've got a much more malleable, fluid concept of ethics. And there's so, a lot more churches, and there are a lot more churches, <laughs> <Yeah>. and and <laughs> alternative religious churches, things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in, in that, you you brought up feeders. Mm-hmm. There are some people that do not consider feeders an ethical way to get animals because mm. uh, you're you're getting them from a source that's still raising them to kill them, you're even, perpetuating if though, even though you're not of, doing that. Right. Now, I would argue if something's in the food industry mm-hmm. um, and you're utilizing it, that's, you're doing the exact same thing. You're, well, yeah. you, you know, I mean, it's it, it's what you, what individually you want to do. I know, I know, um, you know, there, I know vegans who, who still eat uh, yogurt that's uh, got strawberry yogurt, you know, and that's mm-hmm. got bugs in it, you right? Because it, that's just how it is made. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or people that wear uh, leather, butter, vegetarians, or eat eggs, and I mean, you you make your choices, mm-hmm. and uh, doing a blanket ethics thing is very challenging right what i would say is it's important for me and i know when we started mart was to um to utilize all the animal because the whole point is it's it's pretty wasteful i mean oh, yeah, yeah. And, and if you're just going this is what i want and the rest of it goes away and i just you, want the tail and you can see the good example you've yeah. got if you've got wet preservation of the bones or the bones are getting bleached and you're using this and you're using this and some people will take their animals and they'll use it for feed or they'll mm-hmm. there's yeah. so a lot say, of ways to do so it. say we have a taxidermy class here at the store mm-hmm. um so everyone's getting a mouse so the, the inside of the mouse, I mean, that can be used for diaphanizing. That can be used for, um, I mean, we make bone jewelry and stuff. You're yeah. using every part of it. Some people take it, have farms, they'll take it home and, um, you know, feed it or, you know, whatever, uh, however they want to use it. But the point is to not let anything go to waste, right. I guess. Right. I also want to mention while we're talking about that, that I actually watched a video <laughs> yeah. of 
vegans doing taxidermy. Sure. It was like a BuzzFeed video, but it was basically like the whole idea was that these were, you know, mice that were, you know, they had been, you know, killed. They weren't eating that, you know, the mice. They had been killed for, you know, feeding. So, but yeah, it was them doing it. Just watching them getting squeamish was really funny. Uh, I actually was vegan for two years myself. I'm still kind of a vegetarian. I don't really eat, you know. Uh, I guess a pescatarian, really. But yeah. you know, whatever. Pescatarian. Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was vegan for a while and uh, vegetarian for quite a while. And mm -hmm. I think, um, and that's I, I credit. Um, I credit uh, the book um, Omnivore's Dilemma. I think that's a mm -hmm. fascinating book to read that gives you that sort of. We're omnivores. We have to make decisions. Right, you know, if yeah. you're not an omnivore, you don't make decisions. And right. that idea of like, you know, people are. There's a thing that popped up on the news feed this week of someone uh, got video of these um, deer eating birds. Oh. You know, and wow. that, and uh, yep. deer don't eat birds. I've had arguments like squirrels are nice things. They're they're cute and sweet. No, you know, they'll eat you if they could. If you were quite so big, yeah, they're, they they're might, not aiming yeah. at you. You're not their focus. I've seen videos of they they record a video of kangaroos actually eating smaller animals also. Yeah, and really? and yeah, that happens. Yeah, so they're, they're 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 not, the, they will yeah. eat the, the row I think it's the row sheep they figured out they were they were not only were they not only were they eating the animals, they were only eating the heads off these seabirds. So as someone came across the scene and was like, There are Satanists around. Like someone's <laughs> doing some bad work and then they were like, Oh no, it's sheep. That's wow. crazy. Eating and the they just wanted, they needed the cal they need calcium. Yeah, so they were right. they were di eating off the heads and the wings for calcium and leaving the rest of the body. Mm -hmm. well, it's an interesting point, and a lot of the people who take the classes here at the store are vegetarians, are mm -hmm. vegans. I mean, everyone's pretty much an animal lover for sure. Yeah, yeah. And um, I mean, it, like someone who might be compelled not to eat meat for the same reason might also be compelled to want to make artwork out of something that would normally be discarded from mm -hmm. an animal. Right, yeah. and um, to give it some life again. Yeah, more about buried or just thrown in the trash exactly. or flushed down the toilet exactly. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and animals are unfortunately killed all the time for pest reasons. I mean, mm -hmm. there's all kinds of, you know, reasons right. that something would be... Uh, would, would pass and um, to want to preserve that and recycle that I think is the yeah. it's also we're in an interesting time right we we live in a digital realm where we have uh, in some ways fewer experiences that we see as traditional we yeah. do less handwork than we used to because the computers allowed us to do not have to do the same kind of churning of the butter or this mm -hmm. so now there's this there's this amazing resource that Wait, can you tell you butter? I do churn butter okay Just <laughs> <laughs> All right. I feel like that's a loaded like, question. Yeah, right I was going to say that's a. I think that the Urban Dictionary might mean something slightly different than what I meant. But you know, we've got this amazing, this amazing resource, which is the internet. Which now, one of my favorites is the websites devoted to living off the grid. Yeah. You know that that's fantastic. Like yeah, you can yeah. find out how to live off the grid through your computer from, or from the grid. Yeah. From the grid. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm off now. You better I, or back on. Print, print the page first. Yeah. Right, right, right. So you got this you've got these people who, like myself, spend their time in a digital realm who, who wanna have that visceral experience, who yeah, wanna understand tactile. it. So if you've made a decision about what you eat and what you wear and all these things and you said I I it ethically do not want to partake in the system that kills animals. Mm -hmm. Now all of a sudden you're like, ooh, I see a lot of dead animals on the street. You know, what what is that all about? And mm -hmm. and now I have this opportunity to have this very uh, intimate experience with with a dead animal. Mm -hmm. It's easy to laugh it off as like a man, those kids, the city kids. But it's <laughs> it's it's part of it. It really mm -hmm. is part of you wanting to have this experience and to understand it. 
and we don't have that ability anymore. Right. At one point, if you were wealthy enough, you just went and hunted. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and you paid someone to, to, you to know, deal with the rest of it. Yeah, to taxidermy your kill. Yeah. Or, you know? you, or you didn't even gut it. You yeah. just left it. And, mm-hmm. and what's interesting for me is that in Europe, um, it's a very different taxidermy world than it is in, in the U.S. And a mm-hmm. major reason for that is, is hunting here uh, was done by everybody. And and in some t- degree, the poorer you were, the more you, you hunted. Right, you know, right. When the cities were building up, the city right. you if you were wealthy enough, you didn't have to go and hunt. And the opposite's the way in Europe, whereas if I am royal, this is all my land, all of my animals. And if <laughs> right, you kill right. it, you're you're getting hung. Right, yeah, um, right. So died. you had this. You have a very different take on what taxidermy is. What whether it's I don't say proletariat, whether it's the people's expression of nature, mm-hmm. or whether it's a regal with an entire wall of you know hundreds of horns that you've mastered, right? Um, or someone else shot for you and they're yeah. on your wall because it's your house, or yeah, or it's your, your dad's, yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. right, right. Uh, during what was it, nineteenth century, eighteenth, uh, nineteenth century, when they had the anthropomorphic taxidermy, sure. when that was the sort of more fanciful, uh, they would take you know natural animals and then kind of not posed them like you would like rogue taxidermy but made them a little bit more um yeah make believe fancy you know and i know that kind of influenced a lot of the at least in england Mm -hmm. you know and in their war rooms or trophy rooms yeah is that sort of like the tiger with the you know the crazy claws and stuff like that rather than it just walking you know, in a natural state. There's been a huge resurgence of anthropomorphic taxidermy, and a lot of it, a lot of this interest in taxidermy often goes back to the sale of a particular collection, which was Walter Potter's collection, Hmm. um, which was sold off. And a lot of the classes here at Bazaar, some of them are Mm -hmm. very specifically anthropomorphic, specifically Mm -hmm. to fit in with this idea. And the anthropomorphic idea, right, is that you are imposing... Uh, specifically human quality and human narrative to mm-hmm. the animal. Right. We kind of talked about how um, that uh, zebra, for example, mm-hmm. has a quality that the person that mounted it wanted it to have. Right. Now, he or she, but probably he at the time, was saying that's what God wanted it to look like. Mm-hmm. With anthropomorphic, it's more of like, boy, I want it to wear a hat. Right. Um, <laughs> right. If it played a guitar, that would be great. Yeah. And and that's a that is is definitely part of this DIY. There's some part of that in the rogue, but it's also mm-hmm. challenging um, because it often doesn't require as much time mm-hmm. um, to master how to do it. Um, and you also articulating a mouse is very different than articulating a, a, a I'm assuming it's a fox. Yeah. A mm-hmm. fox. Um, and so it's great for a class, which I want Greg to talk about, but yep. great for a class because it's, you can do in a day, you can do sort of, uh, anthropomorphic animal. Right. Um, yeah. The project, the goal of the class is the project to be finished at the end of it or, you know, drying at least. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, oftentimes like anything more complicated, um, might not, you might not have enough time to finish it at the, the entire class, but, um, with anthropomorphic, a lot of it's about, Accessorizing and you know mm-hmm. getting uh, fancy, as you said, <laughs> and it's like um, uh, your uh, little Pikachu. Oh yeah, I think we're sold out of Pikachu <laughs> yeah. right now. But yeah, we did have a Pokemon themed uh, taxidermy class. Yeah, yeah. and you know, I mean, good. when we had that, there were certainly people who said, um, you know, this to me isn't what I want to do. Yeah, I want to work on a mouse, but I want to make it look like a mouse, mm-hmm. which right. is fine. That's right. completely valid, and um, 
it, yeah, it's, it's really how you want to present it yourself. Um, you know, you can't, you can't argue against Pokemon. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, you can. You can, but you're going to lose. You have to catch yeah. them all. But That's However true. you want to do it. But no, I mean, I totally understand that. So you have, like, the idea of you want to, you know, you, you can you could do something, you know, just kind of wacky, zany, or or have that idea of having, like, the naturalistic look. You know Whatever what I mean? kind so. of Pokemon taxidermy you want to do. I mean, yeah. feel free if you want to do a, um, now also, Charizard. Or, no. Also up on the wall, and there's over here, so Jackalope. Now, Jackalope doesn't fall... Uh, either in, in right. it does, it's sort of Jackalope's history is pretty awesome because it really was, yeah, you know, uh, a, a bit of a uh, of a souvenir, roadside souvenir thing. That right, came up. right. Now the, yeah. the theory is it comes from um, a specific ailment that causes cancerous cancerous tumors, tumors to grow mm. on, on rabbits. They, at some point, it looked like horns. Yeah, yeah. so wow. it was the uh, the rabbit who has the antlers. Yeah, and, mm. um, and it became kind of like the you know elusive Jackalope. But so that's cryptozoological. Right. And mm-hmm. so there's also this whole push on cryptozoology, which are uh, the study of animals that either don't exist or, or what they call it, it's actually hidden animals. Right. So right, what right. we find every once in a while is something we thought was completely extinct. We are like, oh, actually there is a ghost bird. Yeah. Um, but there is in, in traditional taxidermy competitions, often recreation uh, um, sections of the competition. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those will be for animals that are extinct and oh, okay. that never been or um, Tasmanian devil, well, Jenny Hanover. De- de- devils are still devils are still alive, barely. I mean, yeah, there's that barely. unfortunately that um, tumor that's killing them all off. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, definitely um, uh, Tasmanian tigers. Uh, there are that's, a few yeah, skins Tasmanian around. Tigers, that's yeah. It. Um, yeah, I got to see one in uh, Hobart, the Hobart Museum, and it was it's pretty aw- They're pretty awesome. I mean, they're carnivorous yeah. marsupial. I mean, yeah, come on. yeah, yeah, they're killer. Wow. <laughs> Well, I, you know, I don't think we've quite finished the... Um, <laughs> no, we, we, different tangents. I know, I know. Yeah, Do we want to go back into that? Which sure. we were, Finish which thing? The, uh, when we were talking about the actual technique. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. The technique, yes. Yeah. Can we go back to that? Sure, yeah, totally. That, okay, so so far we were about, what, scrubbing off the... Fleshing. The, yeah, yeah, fleshing. Do you want to take over? I'm... Well, um, actually, no, I want you to finish that because I want to... Okay. There was another thing that I thought that I, I would... Piggyback on after that. Yeah, we could talk about the uh, making the forms yeah, and yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What I asked. Yeah, so um, so you've the flushing part is the most tedious part. Mm-hmm. It's um, the length, a good part of the length of the class that you're just basically scraping off any fatty tissue. Um, you're just looking anything that could smell bad, later. rot. Yeah, <laughs> right. Rot. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I would, uh, I would equate this to uh, like in my home brewing. To trying mm. to get the the labels off the bottles, <laughs> that, that's you know what I mean. So that's, that's basically I'm sure what the you're mechanics doing, right? are very similar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're basically trying to make sure that there's um, that there's nothing to rot, like, mm. like Robert said, and then um, eventually you use a dry preserve um, on top of that to uh, to really um, to really keep it from from rotting, and um, and then uh, you're also at the same time making a form. Um, if it's like a smaller mammal, like a mouse, say, um, you would probably make it out of wood wool, um, mm. which we have some right here. But um, yeah, you basically wrap the wood wood wool, oh. or um, there's other it falls out a lot. Some people sometimes oh, people use like foam or other other things. Um, well, for the head, you would probably use foam for sure. But for but, for smaller animals, this is the kind of thing that you. So well, some people, uh, be honest, uh, let's be. An easier, quicker way for some people to do it, and they definitely do it. Will just be put, fill it with cotton, okay. um, oh, and that's okay. definitely that's that will give you a a puffy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You can create a little bit more articulation, and this gives you an idea how 
That's done by a, 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 um, a, a taxidermist in, a very famous taxidermist in the Netherlands who gives you an idea of how, how tight that's bound. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Really, really so he can tight. figure out the articulation he can create on this bird thing. Uh, but I have a, an antique form here too. Yeah, yeah. Um, this guy's out of paper mache. This is a form for a fox. Um, oh, okay. So they made paper mache and then they just kind of pull the skin over top of it. And now what's popular, which some of these pieces would probably be, would be a two-part epoxy foam. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, two-part, sorry, two-part um, uh, polyfoam, which it expands, and those are usually cast by very talented sculptors and so it's cheap and easy and you can go right, to a right. taxidermy. Just order them from the it's website. very very yeah. Duchamp that you've got this ready made piece that mm -hmm. is why a lot of people I think explore that. But with um, uh, one of the, the big kind of you used the term earlier mm -hmm. where um, you usually talk about mounting. Mm -hmm. So the real if you want to talk you want to make fun of someone you say they stuff it. Right. Um, instead of mounting. And the idea would be that stuffing is, is sort of poorly it's articulated and it's sloppy. Yeah. And so one of my battles is fighting Wikipedia because they like <laughs> they've they've put us under rogue taxonomy under sort of bad version of what mm -hmm. taxonomy is and they use the term stuff, which I know somebody was like Nice, solid. I got that zinger in there, <laughs> and, and um, it's not the case. It's it's again for the most part you're mounting something on the outside. Mm. Chefs stuff a turkey. Right. Uh, the name of Rome. That yeah, sort of exactly. Mount, mount a piece, but in that you you have a lot of um, ability to create what the the um, the form is, mm -hmm. um, and so there's different. There's also other techniques for for doing it. But yeah, I've seen pictures where they take uh, the yarn and stuff after they've made the form yeah. and that's how they make you know just layers and layers and layers to make the muscle mm -hmm. you know you actually it looks you know natural you yeah know, it's, a you know. it's a sculpture and, yeah. and the, what what changed and some people um would say what it changed really with Akeley and Carl Akeley and what, with that change was we're not only trying to preserve the animal but to to show the muscle, to show the fiber, to show everything about it, and he, in many ways, took you past the commercial um, uh, commercial taxidermy uh, shops where it was like, get him in, get him out, get him in, get him out. And he, right, they he all look the same. And he was he got fired, in fact, um, mm -hmm. uh, for uh, one story is he got fired for sleeping. Another one got fired for trying to create a a a, a better way to do the work. Mm -hmm. So I, I just we were talking about you know stuffing versus mounting mm -hmm. and i just had come across this kind of article here i don't yeah. know if you've ever seen this yes yeah. with the the walrus it's great where so apparently this walrus uh was you know very big during the victorian times because the uh, skin was shipped back yeah it's still um, very big now look at that yeah <laughs> and they they basically didn't know what the animal looked like <laughs> so they just continued to stuff it and stuff it and stuff it yeah. until the walrus had no wrinkles anymore and he looks like a giant balloon and, yeah. and this was really common a lot of times in europe especially because a king would give another king a present and they'd mm -hmm. say and then they'd, they'd be in sweden and have a lion that's living outside the lion doesn't like it so much and dies mm -hmm. and then the, the king of sweden's like what are we going to do with this? <laughs> and then they, they, they go, you. And the guy's like, I want nothing to do with it. And they right. say, no, no, you're our local uh, leatherman. Mm -hmm. Make it look real. And mm -hmm. so that's where a lot of the botched pieces come from. 
Um, and then you also have, um, you know, the, the sort of the oldest kind of conce- conceivable oldest piece of taxonomy was a rhino. Same thing. What is a rhino? Uh, if, right. you, if you really put yourself in that position to identify an animal you've never seen before and then try to reconstruct it, reconstruct it, <laughs> it's, right. it's, it puts you in a better place to appreciate that walrus, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah, yeah, definitely. This is Ronald Malfi, and I'm a Curioso. You were listening to the Curioso podcast, and you can check me out at ronmalfi.com. So we, we left off with with you had gotten to, um, you've got it fleshed. Yep, got um, it fleshed. You're preserving uh, it. The dry preserve. Mm-hmm. Um, you've made your form. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you'll have to do like a separate with the um, like out of foam or something with for the head. Um, Just because it's harder to exactly to get yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Well, because well, you, well, you can use the skull, mm-hmm. but it's really it easy, depends, especially yeah. a small piece. It's mm-hmm. really easy to leave brains inside. Uh, and yeah. having brained hand myself, um, that stuff doesn't want to come out. Nope. And so if yeah. you're trying to take the you know a little skull and and get all the all the meat out of it and all the brains out of it that may not happen in the course of the period of right, time right. that you're trying to get the class done. So yeah. mm-hmm. oftentimes you'll take that out and you'll replace it with either and then I mean the upside you could have your own little skull and then you get to the yeah. yeah right which is exactly cool. pretty cool nice little necklace yeah, yeah of course um, but you can't leave it outside because if you do. And other it. animals take it. Right, oh, right. So you, that's why they have these. Uh, I'll take cage. it. Or Greg will find out where you are. He's got that weird sense. He's yes. like leaving pies out. Yeah, he's, he's told all about pies. He's like, skulls. skulls. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> he's back, Martha. <laughs> Taking our skulls again. Guilty. I, I actually left a few. When I was uh, brain tanning, I found there were a couple of squirrels in my neighborhood, and, and I thought I'd give this a try, and so I, I have... Um, some brain that uh, was doing the the brain tanning, which we can talk about after after the in terms of different ways of preserving. And then I had the skulls, and I cleaned everything. And at one point, I was like, "No one's robbing my house because mm-hmm. I'm in like a you know up North Baltimore neighborhood, and mm-hmm. um, my neighbor's grilling, and I'm hey. brain tanning over a fire. <laughs> right. And then my yard's got fake taxidermy, and then bones and skins. And I was like, "This is the best." Security system ever. No one is coming around. But then I don't know what it was. I mean, we've had foxes or cats, but something came and yoinked a lot of the stuff that I left out. So it'll happen. Or again, Greg. It'll happen. (laughs) I'm just saying. So Um, you've got your form. Yeah. So so then uh, you're basically stretching the skin over the form um, and sewing it up. Um, I mean, there's certain nuances you have to leave. Like uh, there's like wires that. Will go through the feet or through the yeah because um, you're not going to be leaving legs. bones in the, in the feet exactly right? you're usually I mean for larger animals you yeah you absolutely are and you're flushing oh, okay. as much as you can um, but you'll for usually for little mouse you probably but for mouse you're not I yeah. mean but you you usually cut off you know somewhere where you've got still mm-hmm. um, if there's put, you know, yeah if there's still that in there you probably want to um, inject it with something just yeah. to, to be sure that it's not B- birds are hard because a lot of birds have. Um, a tendon that you have to take out because that'll ru- ruin everything, and that you know requires this little less hook thing that you run up through the foot and pull out. It's very, it's like pretty Egyptian. awesome. Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. bringing out the brain. Nice. Um, but it's you know so birds have another thing, and then there are animals that have um, uh, a lot of the the musky animals that have these fat packs or the mm-hmm. birds that have. Did you know the birds have the nipple on their back? 
That that blew me away. I didn't know that they had. <laughs> no, yeah. So when they're preening, they're actually rubbing an uh, uh, an oil gland, which it looks like a nipple in the middle of their back. It's and then back that's nipple. the preening. Yeah. Nice. So you got to take that out if you're working on the birds. Ah, so there are all these things. On the back for slow dancing. Awesome. <laughs> 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 but so there are all these like so when you as you get larger and larger animals, you have different different challenges. Obviously, when you start taking um, uh, you know a, a deer or you start doing uh, a, a large African um, safari animal. You've got mm. the space. You can imagine the space. Oh yeah, or yeah. Or the, the weight is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, and so each each kind of animal you do will have a different challenge. And right. back to the one of the things, and you can see this is so this is the brain tan piece. But you can see I didn't do a very good job flushing, and it shows very well in the brain tanning because in this case, what I didn't flush still looks like. It's bacon, but it looks like it's a darker. Freddy Krueger. So it space. should have been. So yeah, exactly. That's yeah. pretty good. What it should have been is all that same sort of uh, tan um, material that looks like suede. Yeah, yeah. It should yeah, look yeah. like suede. Yeah. And so what I can, what I've been doing is I go back and I run it on a, on a, um, uh, the end of a broom, or I use a little sandpaper to get the rest of it out. Hmm. But that gives you an idea of, of how much time and labor goes into it. Yeah. Um, and the larger the ones, you have these big, you know, these big fleshers that you will use, and you can spend hours um, trying to get all the, the skin off. Well, yeah. certain certain uh, mammals are um, more difficult, right? To, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just the skin alone. So, can I ask you a question? Also, and toughnesses. And yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What? Why? What? What is it? Brain tanning. So, why is it called that? Uh, that because you're using. Um, so, there's different ways you can preserve the, the skin. Right, mm -hmm. and uh, you can get a kit, and you can do it in your house. One of the challenges for doing um, uh, so, actually, we talked about sorry, we talked about uh, dry preserve, mm -hmm. which is like borax, basically. Right. Um, it used to be arsenic, but people don't well, like it. You can't that get so that at the general yeah. store anymore. Um, but it, you know, I do know people who aren't supposed to, but still use arsenic because they think it's the best, hmm. best quality. Um, but borax is pretty easily easily accessible. Mm -hmm. You can't do much damage to yourself with it, and you can do laundry with it as well. Twenty right. mule team, yeah, I yeah, gotcha. totally. Yeah. Um, and and that'll give you a certain amount of preservation. Um, okay. uh, but you want to do a little bit more, or you want the the skin to be it's a larger piece, and you, so you get these kits, and you can do them in your house. But then you've got all this this um, tanning. Uh, uh, chemicals that you have to dispose of. So yeah. I often discourage people from doing the, the tanning on their own unless they can handle all the waste. Right. So you can actually send pretty much, you could skin a raccoon and send it to these places, or even a squirrel and send it to these places, and they have a much better way of keeping um, these traditional tanneries, of keeping their chemicals from getting out and ruining the environment. Because they're right, used right. to recycling. Because they're used to recycling, whatever, they know yeah. how to reuse it, they're not, they're not just doing a one piece a month. Mm -hmm. And so you can, you can have it, and then that can come back to you either wet or dry. Right. If it comes back to you wet, it's a lot heavier, it, pays, it costs more for shipping, right. but it's ready to go on to the form, oh, right? okay. and then it dries that way. Uh, if it comes back dry, you've got to resuscitate uh, it before you do the stretching. But it can also sit in this, in this dry um, state, state for, for a little longer. Long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what is a more traditional way uh, that you would have had for making clothing or tents or anything else mm -hmm. was to brain tan. And brain tanning is taking the brain... Uh, making a soup out of it, basically heating up the brain with some water, hmm. mashing it up, 
rubbing it all over the skin, letting it sit, and then smoking it. So basically what you're doing is there's an oil in the brain that is going into the cell. Talk about self-preservation. Right. No. Really? Now the story is that every... There's, I was waiting to waka, say that. Waka, waka, waka. <laughs> the, the story is that every, every animal has enough brain to tan itself except for, I think, a bison. Huh. Um, and that's sort of the story, whether that's true on a... I have no, yeah, I have yeah. no doctor. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> um, no one's actually written down the equations yet. Yeah, well, no, but I mean, it's in general, when you go in and do research on brain tanning, that's pretty standard. I mean, oh. it's but you can use other things. You can um, you can use uh, eggs. Uh, you can use eggs for the same uh, purpose, different different qualities. Um, acorns, which can be used for anything. Acorns are amazing. Right. Um, they're great at giving you diarrhea if you make acorn soup. <laughs> that's right. But um, you can use them as well. It, it, it's a different. Um, but yeah, so preservation. There's different ways to do it, and so there is this push. I, I had we had a show in Minneapolis, and there's a large community of people that that hop trains in in Minnesota because you can get from one town to the other. And yeah, it's dangerous. And I have mm. met kids without limbs because of mm. it. Yeah. But this kid showed up at this at an event, and he had a cowl made out of a raccoon. Hmm. And raccoons get hit by trains, and that's a you find raccoons are a lot. And I thought, that's disgusting, you know? And, and he's like a brain tan. I was like, that's disgusting. And it didn't smell. I mean, he did, but it didn't smell right. at all. Yeah. It was amazing. It was so soft. He had done such a good job. And granted, he wore it all the time. Mm. But it, 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 there's a reason why people who were wealthy purchased furs. Right, right. They, you can't compete in some ways um, with what they can give you off the grid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so th- that is something that people have, sort of leaned back into and I found a lot of people were interested in figuring this out and I, I mean I thought it was fascinating to do mm-hmm. right um, right what is probably the hardest thing I guess to taxidermy I've heard it was fish most people uh, don't taxidermy yeah. fish anymore and okay. part, part of that is is what the environment part, some of that's the environmental um, uh, response and it's better if you're a fisherman and sportsman that you want to catch and release right yeah. um uh, most of the time, fish stuff is now painted. Right, um, yeah. So it's you take a picture of it, and someone paints it, and your trophy is that. Or you uh, cast it. Or you, yeah, or you cast yeah, it. Yeah. One yeah. of my favorites was um, uh, we, we used to do these events a lot, uh, which were called Masterclass Game Feeds. Mm-hmm. And they were based on Scott Bibus, who's one of the founders, along with Serena Brewer and I, would have these events. And Scott was in a traditional school that did taxidermy. Uh, up north, Minnesota, and they would have these events where the class would work on an elk, and then when the elk was finished, they would bring in the neighbors and they'd have elk steaks, and nice. then look at the elk, and they'd say, looks good, tastes good, right? So mm-hmm. we thought, well, why don't we do that with squirrels? I mean, people, you know, in, especially in urban environments, we're not so used to eating squirrel anymore. Right. And so, Absolutely. yeah, well, so we would do these, not a whole Kentucky, lot. West yeah. Virginia, southern states. It's, you well, have squirrels small, too. Small, small game uh, licenses are often for that, and right. you know they're seen as uh, squirrels are awesome and fascinating. All, also, in the fact that they were not in the city until the 1850s when they mm. were reintroduced to the cities. Right. They were not in at all, and it was an active. Um, uh, decision to bring squirrels back into cities and they started in New Haven and mm-hmm. Boston and Philly and DC and in Baltimore and they they actually brought them into the city mm-hmm. crazy right but now there's too many of them and yeah, you've yeah. got you're supposed to have the two mating pairs per acre and now you've mm-hmm. got you know I don't know if your neighborhood where you are um, they're eating the trees they're eating whatever they can yeah, yeah. Because, chasing down children because <laughs> exactly <laughs> but so in that um, 
Game feed. So we would do a master class where you taught someone how to do to, to skin a squirrel and prep it for taxonomy, and then you would cook it. Mm-hmm. And that experience of having the squirrel chili, and I always do a vegan option because my feeling was mm-hmm. you should have that option. Yeah. Um, and amazing how most people even try the squirrel, even if they would prefer the vegan. But it just it opens up into a a large, in my opinion, a larger conversation, which I really right, like. Right. Yeah. Um, and but I mean, how much more rustic can you feel than doing some taxidermy and eating some squirrel stew at the same time? That's true. You know what I mean? Like that's but, that's you know. I'm sorry, but to your to your original question, how <laughs> um, which is difficult? What's the most difficult sorry. Um, that you guys? We were yeah, talking. You're, I'm assuming where you're going with this is that the chicken was actually way more difficult and nasty. Uh, no, than... what I was going to get to. Yeah, thank you. What I was, the chicken was was gross, straight up gross. Just we, gross. We, we've done that we, we've done know, we eat all the chicken time, but... chicken squirrel. Um, chicken, squirrel, and rabbit. Um, one time in Brooklyn in the neighborhood, they said, we can't do anything furry. We have to do a chicken. So we got a mm-hmm. chicken. And it was the smell of it being um, cut up mm-hmm. uh, and, and just skinned was enough that everyone's like, I'm, that. I'm done. Not. And it, but to Scott's point, Scott, somebody said, let's do a fish. And he said, basically, you know, the way you used to do it is you got a melon baller. Mm-hmm. And you basically sat there and just scooped it out, and it was gross. Yeah, you know, probably like, on your porch, you know, with rocking chairs. Yeah, yeah, right. scooping the fish. Well, the, th- the big thing with the chicken is, is you've got the gill, uh, you've got the the um, horn sack, and the one sack cuts cut open. Well, um, squir- uh, skunks obviously yeah, difficult because too. you've got to deal with the stink. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got some animals have really rabbits have really thin skin, so that's mm-hmm. a challenge. Um, you know, when you get up to Larger animals, again, you've got issues with size. The biggest challenge that faces taxidermists, contemporary and also alternative or rogue, are legal uh, restrictions. Hmm. And almost nothing is actually legally allowed to be taxidermy. You can't just find a bird that bounced off your window and taxidermy. And no, this is something not. that <laughs> Greg has to deal with, Never, ever has to deal with every single day. And in fact, everything in here, uh, Greg and, and um, Brian have to pay attention to where the tags, where's it from, uh, all that stuff, because um, it's very, very, very challenging to stay on top of the laws. Hmm. And so one of the challenges that I have, and I know Greg has, is that we follow a lot of young taxidermists, and you, you spend a lot of time saying, ooh, ee, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't pick up owls. You can't pick up uh, birds of prey. You can't pick up feathers of these animals. So is that just because, yeah. like, endangered species lists? And different and the, and stuff uh, like that? Yeah, a lot of it's the uh, Migratory Bird Treaty Act. Um, oh, yeah, those guys messed up Fort Carroll just because of that. <laughs> yeah, migratory bird <laughs> brings it down to about three invasive species that are, are often, starling being the main one, mm. that, that people have access to, and farm-raised. Um, so you've got that option. Well, and there's also, like, like, in, like in the state of Maryland, game birds are legal to, I mean, legal to possess game birds, um, mm. taxidermy amounts of game birds, but illegal to sell. Mm. Um, same thing with deer. In Maryland, You're, it's illegal to sell a deer mount. I mean, deer shoulder mounts are some of the most common taxidermy that you'll yeah. ever find. Right. Go to any yard sale and you'll probably That's see one. That's what you would think, yeah. But yeah. Um, they're actually illegal to sell in the state of Maryland. Um, not illegal to possess, mm-hmm. but illegal to sell. Huh. So the idea, main, there's two reasons, but both for this possessing um, and not being able to sell. We, if you want to devalue... Uh, trade. You want to devalue the ability for people to um, uh, poach and all this. You make mm-hmm. it so that they can't tr- travel across state lines mm-hmm. and you make it so that they can't sell them. 
Right, and that technically devalues it because right. I could collect uh, hundreds of them, but I can't do anything with them. You have right. to keep um, it in right. your, so, yeah, your like, house, and that's it. Right, yeah. and like, likewise, you can have tags for things that you've killed. You can, I can go to you as a taxidermist. You can, you can taxiderm me it um, with tags, but then I can't sell it. You can't sell it. Um, wow. We see it all the time. Yeah, um, very... We see it all the time in estate sales. And so it, it clearly, I was in a, a store in, in California where you're not allowed to sell anything that's indigenous. Mm. Um, and it was like, they were all there. Moosehead's fine up there, but you can't have white-tailed deer. Wow. Um, likewise, roadkill is another thing that most states is not legal without a scavenger's license. And the main reason is oh. you don't want people hunting with their cars. And you also want to keep people from Disease. wandering on 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 well, the roads. Too. Like, what's this? I'm going to pick this. You know, they well, don't they, want people running. And then I mean, there is a public health yeah, there are, yeah. I mean, most Obviously. most states and counties have some sort of you know animal pickup service through the whatever, right? Right, and uh, it's because of that for disease and things like right, that. Right, right, and yeah. you know you you hunt in places with chronic wasting. You've got to take that animal in to have it have it tested, and and sometimes mm -hmm. you don't get the animal back. And I mean, it's there's all these um, rules, and you'd think if you're coming in from an alternative realm that that you, everything's game, and that's right. not true. And so, um, uh, yeah, the, the the little bird that hit your window, unfortunately, yeah. and died, and it's you know right there in front of you, and you could just pick it up and put it in your freezer and work on it later. No, um, unfortunately, that can get you into serious trouble. And um, and you know, and we, we don't, and as as animal lovers as well, mm. you, you don't want that. Right. You know, you don't want you don't want people going out of their way to um, collect these things and. You know, it's it's a it is really challenging because here we've got this, and I'm sure when you guys came in, it seems like a uh, totally open-ended uh, discussion. Mm -hmm. But it, at some point, it becomes a very very narrow discussion, yeah. and it's much easier if you're a hunter. Now, if you're not a hunter and you're going through the secondary um, secondary stream, whether it be finding it, which again, a lot of places maybe may not legal may mm -hmm. not be illegal but maybe not legal right. but you also have um you know you which is another reason why feeders are a big thing because that's a legal way people right. make right. friends with local farmers mm -hmm. um people have relationships with zoos a lot mm -hmm. of traditional tax control also. have them pest yeah, control yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you make these relationships up because you can you, you know a squirrel can be can be um killed out of season if it's a pest right um right. but it sometimes they have to yeah they have to be there's right. certain animals. So it depends how. And listen, I've had I've known people who've had made relationships with vets, hmm. where they get animals that have died. Um, that's always challenging to me, but for some other people, that's not as challenging. Right. Now you can't sell any dog or animal fur because that's another law, and that was mm -hmm. actually created because of Burlington Coat Factory. Yeah, and oh, that's yeah. completely separate thing. That's, <laughs> right. that's got yeah, nothing. That's thing. got nothing to do with anything. Right, um, right. Really didn't come about through naturalism. It came about through Congress going. But dogs and cats are our friends, right? Of um, course. But fair enough. You don't. You don't yeah. want. To, you don't want people uh, exploiting this. Uh, you make a law that keeps them from exploiting it. And this. This, for example, this um, um, antelope hide from South Africa. It comes from a call. They call animals on national parks all the time, and mm -hmm. so they raise money for the national park by selling these things and kangaroo skins as well. Um, right. Pelts right. And you can. There's interesting venues that have things i'm not sure i'll be honest i'm not sure what the resale is i mean i, I it'd be very challenging to remount this because it's been tanned for a different purpose right um and it's been trimmed but i actually don't know the resale what you would do with 
I assume like this it. is resellable, but I, I'm not doing it. Yeah, we don't typically uh, stock a lot of um, just like pelts or hides. Yeah. Um, so I, um, and also, I mean, it kind of, I'm sure there's a pretty wide range of uh, values, but. Yeah, I, I don't mean like, how, how much would you be me right now? Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, I think he's trying to well, buy well, that. But what, I mean is, but what I mean is, how much would you pay me right now? Um, no, but I mean, like, I don't know. Uh, and this is one of the things that comes up, and I know what happens to these guys. Things come up, and you go, "Oh, I gotta, I gotta research this now. Who right, do I talk right. to?" And oftentimes, it's challenging to get through to um, the DNR or the uh, natural resources. So and um, I'll give you the the number for the Maryland DNR where you can call and ask if things are legal if you okay. like. You can yes, that's a on great website. One. It's really yeah. important. Um, they're very friendly people. They're very. I mean, they. You know, everyone wants to follow all the laws. Right. And um, you know, the only barrier there is ignorance. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely give you their number. You can post on on your website if you okay. like. One of the things I did in the, in the book, one of my goals was not only to give other resources, other books, it's not really the most, um, you know, it may not have been the most, uh, when, when you make something like a book, you often don't want to share it with other people, right? But <laughs> right, to me it was right. like, what are the movies? What are the books? What are the resources? What are the legal resources? Where, where do I find out about each law? Mm -hmm. um, and that's something I wanted to include so that when you flip in the back, it sends you directly to not only the Maryland, you can talk to them, find out, get in touch with the Maryland one, but you can mm -hmm. also, all right, well, maybe I'm in Pennsylvania now. And I, because you can, yeah, you can that every, number. State, every state has completely different laws. Oh, um, yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, contacting your local DNR is probably the best way to go. And they're friendly people. They want to, they want to inform you what the laws are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I would definitely encourage people to reach out to them. That's, yeah. that's great. Yeah. Now, I did find a copy of the, uh, the, the, the federal law. For taxidermists, uh, and I'll I'll be putting that on to the the website. Um, but you know you know state by state, I'm not going to go through and find 50 of them. Well, that was so, that was the challenge, right? And that's yeah. that's something I had to do is I wrote every single um, every single DNR in in the in the uh, country. Wow, I got responses from half of them because they're busy. And I oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, I we did a when we did the show in L, in LA, I said, can I bring um, any can we bring out squirrels to cook? And it took a lot of people to answer that question because they were like, I don't know. Well, and, yeah, and a lot of times, I mean, they're not used to seeing, you know, it's not day to day that they, I mean, they have a bit, they have a lot that they're doing. The DNR mm -hmm. is not just policing taxidermy, you know. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, right. um, so, you know, they came in here and they saw a lot of mounts that they hadn't come across before or they just hadn't, it hadn't occurred to them that that might be, you know, issue, legal issues. Um, they didn't find any SI fault for anything, but it's also like, their laws and their um, mindset isn't necessarily, you know, it's not uh, the same as he, they. Uh, it's harder for them to uh, think about it from this perspective of mm -hmm. like, oh, a curiosity shop or right. a rogue taxidermist. It's not something that they normally have to think of in terms of their. The well, because they're looking the for poachers, they're looking for things like you know what I mean. Right, but someone who, sales who is, yeah, like they're that, yeah. they're not looking for so, someone. So who's... they might go to an antique store and see a deer mount or a game bird mount that's illegal, but it's like, you know, that's not high on their list. Yeah, of, um, but to give you an idea of also the what they're what they're dealing with and the the scale of all this, um, there was a museum. Um, I think it was in I think it was in France, but that uh, the. Um, the director was telling me that basically they, the, there's a lion, uh, sorry, there's a tiger as you walk through the room, 
and you kind of walk past it. And this is always whenever there's a collection that you can touch something, mm -hmm. please don't touch because eventually you'll see these, you know, where the greasy hands yeah, has, yeah. has ruined it. Yeah. But basically they said they replace the whiskers on this tiger about once a week. Wow. Uh, they're all wow. nylon, but basically yeah. people walk by constantly with it, with scissors and cut them into their bag. What? Museums have to replace, uh, take out all of the uh, rhino horns. They usually have to t uh, take them off and, and hide them. And then those rhino horns that are on display tend to be uh, acrylic or fake. So poachers just come into the museum. people will just destroy like... the museum. Yep, totally wow. take it off. Eagles, same thing. People will go in and they will steal these animals because there is a lot of money. I mean, that's right, that's right. why um, sh sh there's no reason for shark finning. No, uh, there's no, no there reason. Isn't. But the but soup is awful. But because it's well, it's an awful I, soup. I know, it's but uh, but also like it's. I mean, it's barbaric. It is, and the yeah. fact that it exists is because there is a trade that it, that it, it does fall into. Right, right. And so if you can again devalue the shark mm -hmm. fin market in the U.S., then maybe then the U.S. follows, and that's something mm -hmm. that that naturalists who often were taxidermists. I mean, Akeley and and um, Hornaday and. Um, they, these guys, at the time, the deal was is kill everything and sort it out. And then all of a sudden they start going, woo, 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 woo. no, 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 don't mm. kill them all. Oh, wait, wait, we got to. And then the fact that bison exist, I mean, without Hornaday, we wouldn't have any bison. Right. And he brought them to D.C. and that's where he started the zoo. And without that, we wouldn't have had them at all. Mm -hmm. And so there's this weird balance between the two. And sometimes people get into the alternative stuff without the appreciation of the hunting stuff and I understand right. that but I'm sure you guys have had sort of to walk that balance oh yeah yeah um, well I mean just yeah I mean obviously you can come at it completely different ways mm -hmm. um, but anything antique anything vintage that we have is likely a trophy mount yeah right um, and it's just I mean it's just what it is yeah. And, it, and it's I, I like what, he, what Greg just said. It, to me, it's a what I love about it as a as a subject is it's a complex narrative that has a, a million ways you can come at it right. and talk about it, and it relates to how I handle animals, how I relate to animals, how I relate to death, how I relate to uh, nature, my place in the world. All that stuff gets rolled into this really hypothetically simple thing of mm -hmm. preserving an animal mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. in a form. The art, but, the science, the everything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a story behind any mount, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I like the fact that, you know, that's, you know, we... we we're, we're here, we're looking at, you know, all this taxidermy in here, but yeah, that's mm -hmm. what we were talking about. You were talking about Akeley, uh, you know, he was, you know, really wanted to get those mounts correct, and that was like the first kind of real big push for that, right? Yeah, I mean, there, there were others. I mean, he gets, he, so I always, I always make sure we talk about Martha Ann Maxwell, who mm -hmm. really is, was, was the forerunner of, of dioramas, and that, that's, Sometimes people don't. There's a big push of who's the father, who's the mother, who's yeah. who's the father in <laughs> Europe versus the father of taxidermy in in right, the U.S. Right. There's different different people who pushed. There were a lot of taxidermists who pushed for um, making a more authentic uh, animal, mm -hmm. um, and I think that, that that's always been a challenge with it. Well, I like the the fact that he you know his idea was that he was he was conser conserving it because he was afraid that everything was going to be gone. So he's like you know instead of you know. I guess his idea was to keep it so that people could see it, you know, and yeah. keep, kind of keep it forever so people could see it. I have a hard time to... a little bit with that. Like, I don't truly you can't say what's in a man's heart. He killed, yeah. he killed thousands and thousands of animals. <laughs> and there was a point at which he uh, had a, had a run in with mountain gorilla that basically, and again, at the time mountain gorilla were not 
conceived of as real, uh -huh. right, right? And he he created a he created a camera with Eastman Kodak that yeah, could film that was another stuff. thing I wanted to mention. Like yeah. he he was he was one of these characters. I one of the things I like to do when we have events, and we had one um, for my book launch here where we do a. a um, uh, like a trivia quiz mm -hmm. and and one of my favorites with Akeley is you say like what didn't this guy do yeah <laughs> and one of the one of the answers is is rode a um uh, sewed up a bloated uh buffalo carcass and rode it across um a crocodile infested uh river <laughs> another was punched a, a leopard to get to death through its own mouth um another was being he was stomped by an elephant um and then the third was he lost a finger mounting uh, a shark and of course it's that one everything else he did but yeah. he he was attacked and he he had attacked and it bit on, bit his arm the left bit his arm and he beat it to death through its throat i mean that that's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty hardcore. awesome yeah how do you do that but yeah. he also yeah he created i, the... I was <laughs> please stop let go of my arm <laughs> this hurts a lot in fact i actually found him on a, a website called badass of the week yeah that's great he, that's a yeah. great description yeah. yeah so yeah apparently he was the badass of, of the week for that week and, and their i was descriptions, reading all about it their description is fantastic because it's really it's like you know you want you want um it's it's a very like um fx or like Esquire channel yeah, read kind of, of, read, of Akeley, yeah, and it's yeah, true. I mean, yeah. and but the the thing about any any um, of these these uh, disciplines, um, there are some great characters. I mean, that's right. another thing that attacks me. You have these amazing characters. There's a, a former slave who uh, studied with um, blocking it, but he ended up teaching Darwin how to do. Um, taxidermy like they're random nice. characters that was, that was another thing that I heard just because we were bringing up Darwin I heard that as he categorized everything he pretty much ate one of one of all of them is, is that is that you know, you guys I, don't know, know that's that's, I don't know that's no, awesome that's what I heard every, as he categorized everything you know well, it's, in the Galapagos he he pretty much like cooked it and ate every well, single one yeah it's the whole you know one for me <laughs> yeah, that, that, I, I kind of find that hard. I kind of find that hard to believe only in that. But maybe it's true. I find it, I find it a little hard to believe just because um, uh, you, you know that guy, man versus food or whatever that was. Yeah, or, yeah. I love how he like he got he was like I gotta stop this show because I'm totally overweight. Like I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and I can imagine you can imagine like I don't know if I'm on a boat. And I'm sailing through the South Pacific, which I've never seen before, mm. and, or whatever. And I'm going, I'll just say, you little this thing. Like, that seems to be dangerous as hell. <laughs> A little but bit, yeah, yeah. It does seem to be that where you would end up having the, um, uh, the, the legends, right, for well, sure. And, and also the, the, just the chance to possibly eat this weird creature. That's you true. Know, I'm not saying he ate all of them. Yeah. But, you know, the chance to eat a, you know... Sea iguana versus the land iguana in the Gal yeah, yeah. Galapagos. You know? Are there sea iguanas? Yes. Well, that's the whole point of the. That's the whole big <laughs> okay. thing. With the Galapagos, right? Was he was like those things are swimming. Yeah, um, these it are was different from these. Just the just same. to be clear, it was, it was Charles Waterton and the guy, the former slave's name was John Edmonston, hmm. and he. It, that's just like you know the fact that some guy. You know, the way that the knowledge that was passed down was so peculiar. That's, right. I, I love it that you, you looked it up in your book that you wrote because I'm the exact <laughs> same way when someone comes up to me and they're talking about an episode. I'm like, you understand I do not have my research in front of me right now. It's like, <laughs> well, it's like the whole, Star, Star, the whole um, Star Trek thing where people say, on this episode, what would you do? Mm. You know, I, yeah. I know I was wearing a blue shirt and I... I I just gotten a coffee yeah. and I was on set. <laughs> um, no, I was. I gave a talk. I gave a talk at a museum. In um, one of my favorite things in the book tour was I'd get in a room and go, "Who's the ringer?" 
Mm-hmm. Who do I have to talk to? Who do I have to aim? At? What 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 subject do I have to avoid? Because mm. I'm a little foggy right now because I've just <laughs> flown in from so and so. And I did a talk at a museum, and the um, director of the museum brought a major funder in who was a big game hunter. And I was like, I had prepared the entire thing to be about the rogue side of it. And I was like, mm. oh, you could have given me a heads up, and then I could have <laughs> made it. But there was one date, like I couldn't remember date, and I just kept looking at him, and he was gone. So afterwards, he walked up and. Fed me the date. I was mm. like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's great. So um, I had a few questions from people online. Oh, yes. But a lot of them were stupid. Yes. So uh, I will try to ask That's a fair. few that aren't. Ask online, one if someone's mm-hmm. stupid. Online? Yeah, ask, definitely <laughs> yeah. ask a stupid one, too, yeah. because I think the stupid ones are... Okay, well, I will, yeah, all right. So uh, our friend Tommy Simbazo asked... Uh, uh, did you ever watch the the taxidermy competition show on Sci-Fi with Brian Hussein? And uh, if you enjoyed it or you avoided it, like the Amish do with Amish Mafia? Well, I worked for. <laughs> I, I, I'm a big. Yeah, see how to, how to go at this one. Um, this is a good question. It's good, you, you hit the right one. So, yeah. um, one of the things about reality shows is that everybody. They, you, you, there was a point, and I think that they probably still do it, but there was a point where the taxidermy community was just inundated by everybody mm. being like, hey, I have a great idea. Let's sign you to a contract that you can make a TV show and be really famous. And you're like, cool. Um, does, how much work is that? And then they'd be like, no, no, it's not much work at all. This is two years of your life, and then we're filming you the entire time. Do you have a job? This would be better than a job. And you're like, okay, that seems not the best. So I got, uh, I pitched a show, um, uh, five so years ago mm. that was um, a, a way to tell the story mm-hmm. that I right. thought. Because right. we do these tax competitions. In fact, Greg and I are working on one down in Baltimore that he's, he's set up um, that, um, that they're really interesting and there's a way to do this. Mm-hmm. So people call me and say, hey, I got this idea and I love talking about this stuff. So I'm very, I'm immediately like, oh, that is not, in fact, an alien baby. I think it's a skinned and desiccated spider monkey. And then, right. then immediately your phone <laughs> rings, like, let's talk. So, that show, uh, to get, I, I came up with, and I fleshed out with um, someone on their end, mm-hmm. and then that person w- moved on, and then they started treating me like a donkey, and saying things like, oh, good idea, and maybe you might be a judge, uh, and if you're a judge, maybe, and all this stuff, like, it's like, huh. no guarantee, none right. of this stuff, and I started going, this is the worst idea ever. <laughs> like, so you is, joined the Amish Mafia. So, so, right. um, I was going to say, I prefer, I prefer a certain uh, version of the Mennonites, the guys that dress in all black and wear, drive the late model black cars with all the chrome taken off of it. They just look, they look much cooler um, than, than horse and buggy, myself. That, that sounds like uh, the guy from outside of uh, the Mothman area. Oh, like, yeah. That, yeah what, what was his name? Do you remember? Mm-mm. Never mind. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, like, we did a talk about that episode. Again, I'm a research in front of me. Yeah. But, I, I know, but, right? I, but, I, but so, I mean, that, that's much. I mean, I, to answer yeah. the question, you I came started show. that show. Yeah. I mean, I came up with it. I fleshed it all out. I got, I got all the people on board. And I mm. basically was like, I said, I got the contract and I was like, this is ridiculous. Right. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But it's kind of an enjoyable show. I it's think. awful. It's painful. It destroys. It makes me. It honestly. I, it, well, we've like, got two different. Uh, I mean, it, it, as long fine. as you, as long as you go into it, knowing that it's a reality show, and, and it's all therefore over it's not dramatic. Well, yeah. If you want to go into it, 
by punching yourself in the face first the entire time it's going on and you know that's going to happen then you're cool with it well, it's it's the same thing you know when i watched what's, what's the other one oddities mm-hmm. or whatever yeah. watching that and seeing a few of my friends on there and just kind of going he's not really selling that you know what i mean oh that yeah sort of well thing. you have you're to like, i mean you have yeah. to realize everything is it's drama. Yeah, well it's, it's drama. now uh, okay there's the humorous side of it mm-hmm. so after that show was on another place attracted me and i said look I can give you a better show. Mm-hmm. I told you, I told these guys what to avoid, and I think that they went to the thing. So we sold another show, and I, I said to them, "If you come at, at everybody with these onerous contracts at the end of this, you're not going to get anybody. So tell me right now, you're going to you're going to respect everybody and and not treat us like donkeys." And they showed up at the end with the donkey thing, where they can replace you if you become mm-hmm. too difficult. They can. Uh, there, there's no slander. They can. They can call your mother crazy, whatever they want. You can no recourse. Right. They can put cameras anywhere in this place. And it, it's not that they're going to do it; it's that they have the right to do it. Mm-hmm. And luckily for me, because uh, I had a hard time that one. I, again, I wasn't going to sign, but I didn't want it to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that network saw how poorly the first one was going, and they both canned it. Right. Now, I do agree with. <laughs> I, I see what Greg's saying. I did watch it. It mm-hmm. was. It was. I don't know if it's worse than you know Real Housewives for me, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was freaking close. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it how I want taxidermy to be represented represented in like mainstream culture? Probably not. Or like, so, yeah, that's where I was going. That's my but, question. But that said, I mean, it's television, and right. it's you know. Yeah, but how? Like, let's be honest. How would you represent it in mainstream? The closest that anyone's gotten to do a good job of it is oddities. I mean, mm-hmm. really, it's imp- it's really difficult to take to take something and go, "Hey, kids!" Well, yeah, you know, it's also, I, mean, I was going to say, yeah. like, I have to explain taxidermy to children quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. and it's 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 not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. So um, I mean, I, I you know, he's I sleep upside down and I'm, inside out. Yeah, I, I get people all the time being like, "Ew, you're weird." It's like, right. okay, fine. You yeah. know? Well, I you know, I got to be honest with you. I'm not a huge, you know. Um, Abdicate of touching, you know, a lot of dead things. So, you know, you're passing the stuff along. You're like, no, here. And I'm like, well, okay. All right. All right. I got it. You know? So that was, you know what I mean? For me, like, originally, you know, you you didn't know. I think I covered that well until right now. No, well, you, you, yeah, you did. He saw it. No, 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 you covered it. I I was going to try and make up something funny because it's audio, so they wouldn't have known if you'd gone like, (laughs) you you didn't. No, I mean, there's a, there's a thing, you know, one of, when I was looking at who were the most influential um, people in in the history of taxidermy, and obviously I didn't get nearly as many people as I would have liked. One of my favorite things is I asked um, uh, the artist Mark Dion, like, what did he, who did he think? And he came up, because I was asking every artist when I met them, who influenced you? Which was mm-hmm. interesting because artists don't like to say who influenced them. So they tend to be like, <laughs> I did. It's very I very interesting myself. question. I would say God, you know, like. Uh-huh. But people would be like, um, someone, he, he finally said Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, well, Hitchcock basically ruined uh, the name of taxidermists by making a psycho- psychopathic killer a taxidermist. Yeah. But solely doing that, it changed the, the conversation about taxidermists moving forward. I keep right. looking for a good taxidermy film, and they all come, they all end up with the same thing. Yeah. You've got a guy who, like, is very simple and very clean, and I'm going to cut you up. I mean, they, right. it's, it's, it's a trope at this point. You can't mm-hmm. get around it. Mm-hmm. And the people that I know who do it, it's funny. It, it couldn't be further from. They're, they're you know, so um, articulate about it. They tend to be um, it's very nuanced. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't play necessarily in in the reality realm, but right. what does? Well, that's you know some of the questions that I got you know on here. Of course, 
you know, from my friend uh, Phil, who asked, how much would you just charge to stuff a human corpse? And I knowing, I don't want to ask that question because I know I'm not going to get like a decent answer because we don't do that. Right? right? Yeah, you That's can. what, we don't do it. It's illegal. It's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, but it's, but it's worth asking. I mean, yeah. what, what I'll say, what I'll argue on that one is totally worth asking because right. why okay. not? All right. Because we're, we're in a place now where death is, is, is an industry, right? Okay. So you really don't have many choices of what you do after you die. Yeah. You can burn, you can bury. You can't well, even bury under a tree at the moment. Uh, you unless can't. you have money and then you can right, get some right. part frozen, shot in a space. No, I was also watching, I was watching a, uh, I don't know, some kind of video from, I think, Mental Floss. Okay. Where they were talking about uh, taxidermying and you know human bodies, okay. So basically, the idea is is that although it might be illegal to do, mm-hmm. okay, once it's already done, it's possible that because it's a unique, uh, a unique thing in the world, yeah. that mm-hmm. it could become a piece of art and actually become a piece of property. As right. where most of the time, no one owns the dead. You technically cannot own a dead body. You cannot trade it. You cannot. You know, buy it. However, once you are taxidermied or you have something made from your skin, yeah. like you know, a, a book being bound or something sure. like that, it can actually become a piece of property and owned at that point. So there's a museum, Scandinavian museum, where um, people are skinned from their waist down and basically make pants. <laughs> basically, you know, it just ends up being like waiters, mm-hmm. uh, right. but of your skin below, and that mm-hmm. uh, was a tradition. Um, and so there's a museum full of these, and there's I know of a, 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 I know of a I spoke with a taxidermist in Australia who had been having a conversation with a famous um, uh, gay rights advocate in Australia who's co- covered in tattoos, and he had he his deal now is that when he dies she is going to prepare a skin. Now that's not taxidermy, that's right. preserving. Right. So again, plastination's not taxidermy. Right. Um, I'd have heard at one point someone say, you know, we're really bad at being taxidermy because you can't hide the seams. Yeah. But I've also seen hairless cats taxidermy. So I, I kind of, I don't really know. Were they taxidermy or freeze dried? They were taxidermy. Yeah. Huh. Um, and then you hide the seam. I mean, the guy hid the hidden seam. But you know, the the um, they have so many wrinkles. Yeah. yeah. Tie them to a wrinkle. <laughs> Four legged nuts. But as long as you don't keep on stuffing it like the walrus. Right. Yeah. 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 I, mean, I, I, think, I think it's. I think it's. It's two part. One is it's like it's the it's the um, uh, Johnny Knoxville. Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'll pay you to you know tax your member grandmother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it there's a part of it that's sort of like hee haw where it seems so obscene, but right. at the same time, is it really that obscene? Mm-hmm. It, it's not yeah. physically very easy to do, mm-hmm. um, and then it's really not in our um, vocabulary. But it's been done. There are people all over the world who preserve and keep skins and. You know, you have shrunken heads for different reasons, right. and you have these things. We had a dude call the store asking if we could preserve his finger. Like, his finger, the tip of his finger came off, I guess, yeah. and he was like, It just How came much? off one day? Oh, well, in an crap. accident or something? Well, you know, they tend to fall off. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no. Overuse. I think Don't he, yours? There was some kind <laughs> of accident, and, um, you know, he, he, you know, asked us how much to, like, preserve his fingertip, and I, I don't think he was... Joking, no, I'm sure he was. Pro- yeah, yeah, and it's sort of not, like yeah. I. This is getting into like I just have a shot, man. I just. Well, you know that, that <laughs> we used to go to this bar. Is this a sting? <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe. We used to go to this bar called the ST Bar, and there's this whole group called the ST Club, and the deal is is that you, uh, to join the club, is you would do a shot of whiskey with a with a toe in it. Yeah, is it? Yeah, is it yes. in Alaska or something? No, it, I think it actually. 
think it's Wyoming where it started, okay. but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just know that we used to go to this bar. Yeah. It was ST bar, and the deal was, but then they, they, the joke was always that actually it was amazing how many people swallowed the toe. Yeah. You're supposed to put it in your mouth and then spit it back and, out and again. And let it touch your lip At or something like that. At least it's like a touch, yeah. yeah. And so you could be an ST, and then people started the SF, so you had the entire foot with one of each. And, you know, they do you do lose digits uh, from um, frostbite. frostbite. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know... The, the world is is so much more bizarre than we are prepared for it to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's what you guys do, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, right, yeah. You, you're constantly, you're constantly when, by being curious, you're constantly kind of turning over stones and going, what the hell is that? And, exactly. And what you find is that normal is completely uh, relative. Boring. Okay. No, it's relative. Well, like, what is normal for me right, at this yeah. point? Yeah. Even, even what's relative with my parents at this point. My parents mm-hmm. are, like, they'll talk about taxidermy in a way that... Growing up, I'd be like, "Who are they?" Right, they, right. They, you know, and they're, you know. Well, I gotta say, I overturn my judgment on uh, on Phil's question about stuffing a human corpse. I overturn it. All right, I All say right. it's a valid Good. question. Right, Welcome, we have, Phil. You got one more. Got <laughs> All one right, more? I have another. Uh, I have another one. Uh, the strangest thing that you've ever taxidermied by uh, our friend Diane Student. I'm not a taxidermist by trade. I know a good deal about it, but um, I don't taxidermy. Well, how how would be the the strangest thing that you've ever seen? Or in in your you know? shop? In the shop, um, ooh. um, like the most unusual or just? Oh yeah, probably the most unusual. Whatever. Um, what sticks in your head? What kind of pops out? I, well, we had a um a full body taxidermy dingo that was pretty awesome. I, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. awesome. It was awesome. I can see the look <laughs> on his face it was as awesome. he talks about yeah. it. Lights up. Well, smile. they also yeah. they also had a, a preemie doll that they put underneath it, so dingo. they had oh, the dingo. Oh, dingo so it, was, it was a really yeah. nice centerpiece. I'm sorry that it's not here because it really uh, caused a lot of anxiety for the young yeah. mothers. <laughs> um, otherwise, we have the Mola Mola... Um, the sunfish, that the ocean awesome. sunfish, yeah. it's uh, what, like seven feet by six feet or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of other weird stuff that we've had. It, it's, it's a, this is actually a very common question. Mm. And what's interesting about it is that there's not that, like, when you get into it, yeah. what's taxidermy tends to be what you'd imagine. Well, I think, mm-hmm. it, I think it would be different for everyone because I, you know, I, I love the, you know, the armadillo in there. Yeah. You know I, what I mean? That's, I've, oh, that's yeah, awesome. I've seen those. My mom has like three of them. Yeah. Like an ar- yeah. armadillo purse or something, right? She's an armadillo she purse. Have... She has like a... Armadillo basket. Yeah, basket. She's going to put candy yeah, let's in. let's go back to the 1902 World's Fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we also will have more armadillos as global warming pushes them north. I mean, they're right. starting to come yeah. up the and east coast. And we'll have coast. more leprosy as well. Yeah, well, Hopefully. it's only, you know, I, that's my favorite is, is to always tell that, but then I started talking to people who collect armadillos and the mm. transmission rate's pretty low. It is pretty low. However, yeah. if you can avoid it, hey. Right, I mean, it yeah. still happens, you know, people get cases in Mexico where they actually eat them still. Yeah. Um, but again, very, very low yeah, because yeah, they like, have to cook them and prepare them a certain yeah. way. Um, the, the hardest, the one I saw, the one that I thought was the coolest to see, and I've, I get, I've, one of the cool things that I get to do is go into collections um, and hold like, you know, someone. I was in someone's house, and he's like, "You want to see something?" And he pulled, <laughs> you, that, the answer to that is no. That's yes. a very, yes. you know, yeah. always, that's a very good, always good um, sign. Unless it's then follow me downstairs, and then you're right. like, you're like ah, "Bring it up! Can you bring it up?" Um, I left something in my car. It's like uh, stand by me. Yeah. Hey, you you want to go see a dead body? Yeah, exactly. Yes. But this guy pulled out a passenger pigeon, and and I'm like holding a passenger pigeon, going, "Oh, this is amazing!" And then I went to a collection. Um, uh, what got to go through rare birds collection and go through that, and the, um, in another museum, I got to go through a lot of their wet specimens and pull out drawers. And one of my favorites was 
um, a case probably um, as tall as this table, but maybe four long. And on the side of it was um, colossal squid. Yeah. And it was like, oh, I was wow. like, What's it? Wait, can we open it? And they're like, no, of course you can't open it. What are I? I was like, I, I just want to see it. I just want to see it. They're like, no. So now, then, I love that because you don't know. I mean, it's it's in a wet specimen, but it was in a, right. what looked like an army box. Yeah. Could, yeah. Couldn't open it. And I just was like, that's pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And that's what, those things and blobfish, which I think are awesome, these things, yeah. they, you yeah. can't preserve them that right. way. You can't preserve uh, them. There are a few um, uh, places, I want to say it's in Europe, uh, that have several specimens of Architeuthis yeah. and the colossal squid yeah. and other very, very large invertebrates and stuff like that. And, and wet specimens, though, right? Yeah, 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 yeah wet yeah. specimens. Um, some of like the giant eels and things. Yeah. But yeah, they're they only pull them out for like rare, rare. Well, because they, they, you know, my favorite, interesting thing is they're they're made for, uh, they live in in an environment that has such a different um, deep sea yeah. pressure that you mm-hmm. basically can put your hand underneath it and push it, pull it all the way through the skin. Yeah, you yeah. Know? So oh, that as it's crazy, it's like know, it's not, something like nine, ten different atmospheres. You know, yeah. yeah. Where so they it's live. it's strong as hell where it is, but now you you know taking mm-hmm. it apart. There was a really cool for a long time. There was a, a live feed. Of um, of somebody uh, of the, the kiwis um, uh, cutting apart um, uh, the the enormous squid. What's one the, of what's big the one? Uh, Architeuthis is, is that's, that's the biggest. The biggest. Yeah. Yeah. That's Colossal is they're rather uh, they're big, yeah. but they're sort of like. But they call it, what's fat. another name? They call it. They call it the colossal squid or no, the Architeuthis. Architeuthis. They call it. Have another name for it. Uh, the the kraken. No. Well, there's a couple different names, but you have the colossal squid and it's like the, it's like bigger than colossal. I can't remember what it. Was. Right, it's like giant squid yeah, and the gigantic, colossal squid, yeah. something like that. But yeah. one is a little shorter but fatter. Yeah, uh, and they tend to weigh more. There's one that has two extra tentacles that go a little longer or something. Mm-hmm. I can't Those remember which one that is. Yeah. Those are squid. Uh, all right. Because they're they're technically uh, decapods. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they have eight regular tentacles and then two surface tentacles. No, but there's tentacles. one that has a longer tentacle and it's actually those longer, but it's not. Okay, never mind. All right. <laughs> oh yeah, we did those in our Pokemon class. Yeah, yeah okay. they, no, they, yeah. they actually have these like <laughs> like you know utility tentacles which they can retract and bring out to catch like food and stuff. Cool. Yeah, I get yeah. utility yes. tentacles. Okay. All right, I also no, had, I, have, I have a couple of utility utensils. <laughs> That's right. Oh, utensils. That's no, different. I had right. another uh, question: uh, pros and cons of taxidermy versus dry freezing. But I got to be honest with you, I feel like we kind of covered that. Yeah, that so uh, Stefan yeah. Walker, uh, mm-hmm. uh, just you're going to need to just rewind that episode, buddy. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, and go on back. <laughs> All right. Or so, get a lot of bugs. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in Baltimore, you got to stop in Hamden, come by Bazaar. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we're Is open it? every day except Tuesday. Like a tattoo shop. It's kind of weird. Really? Is that <laughs> yeah. thing? It's is like, like Mondays or Tuesdays. Yeah, Mondays. Like and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's a good day. It's so a service yeah. industry. Yeah. 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 Or, nice. Yeah, so. weekend. Well, guys, we want to thank you guys for, for yeah. coming oh, out. Oh, thank you. Yeah, for, nice. for, yeah thank, thank you. Thank you for yeah. having us. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a great time. And uh, so, Curiosos, uh, go out and uh, go taxidermy some stuff. Legally. 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 Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> or come to Bazaar and, and, and buy yourself something. Just, yeah. Why don't we do you do have, that? Uh, you know what? Yeah. Forget it. Don't tax it. And, and they have classes. Here and so they have classes. We do have workshops mm-hmm. occasionally if anyone's interested in learning how to do taxidermy on small mammals and small birds. Nice. Um, and we'll be legal and ethically sourced. So, uh, yep. yep. And I guess um, 
stay tuned. Sometime late summer, we're going to be hosting Baltimore's first ever taxidermy competition. Sweet. Oh, that's awesome. So Is it going to be like oh, an eating cool. competition with the taxidermy the most? Yeah, actually, whoever eats the most taxidermy wins. So uh, That's actually, that's just the Darwin Prize. Okay. The Darwin Prize is <laughs> right. who can eat the most taxidermy without other people noticing. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, and, then, and then also, you know, um, the taxidermy art uh, book is here as well. Yeah. But one of the things I find really funny, if you read it and you're curious and you have a question... Um, you can you can write me, and that I seem to get some interesting emails that way. Uh, and <laughs> I'm always right? curious. Yeah. I'm always curious to hear how people are uh, approaching um, either new ways they want to do it or, or um, have the conversations. All right, great. Sounds wonderful. Thank you, guys. Thank you All so right. much for hey, having thanks, us. Thanks, guys. No, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Curioso Podcast. You can tweet us at Curioso Podcast. You can email us feedback at thecurioso.com. You can Facebook us, facebook.com backslash thecuriosopodcast. Check out our merchandise on zazzle.com backslash curiosopodcast. You can also check out our videos, youtube.com backslash curiosopodcast. On the left-hand side of thecurioso.com, you can help support the show by clicking on our donate link. And if you're a real Curioso, we need you to go on and give us a great five-star review on iTunes. It will help us get more listeners, and it'll make you feel good about yourself. Maybe you go first. All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, I'll do it. 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 I'll